Good night, our angel. You're listening to They Came From The Silver Screen. Welcome, listeners, once again to They Came From The Silver Screen, podcast where we do film discussions. Each episode, we deconstruct the societal issues in films and their relationships with the world. I'm Josh Tregenza, and with me, as always, is Damien Danaher. Damien, how are we? As I am is as I am, mate. I'm all right. It's all I can stand, I can't stand no more. <laughs> Pretty much, mate. Well, <laughs> well, I'm not standing, I'm sitting, but I'm alive, so, you know. Which is more than, which is yeah. more than we can say for some people. Yay! Segway? I don't want to make the segue... That may I don't, I feel bad about making this segue, but let's why not? Um, because as you all know, for those who listen to the minisode, we're doing a retrospective on the director Jonathan Demme. Um, he's most famous for um, Sons of the Lambs, Philadelphia. And he started off kind of in the exploitation sort of film. Well, he's a contemporary um, did of a few, uh, Roger Corman. Yeah. Like so many, like so many were back then, and I mean, like more than anything, like I mean, we need to. Well, it's almost like we should uh, give Roger Corman give him a bit of a shout. Give him, give yeah. him some uh, ups purely for the uh, the number of you know uh, directors that he mentored in his time. People, you know, like uh, Demi, but also uh, Francis Ford Coppola, Ron Howard, Martin Scorsese. You know, also kicked off the careers of, you know, Peter Fonda, mm. Jack Nicholson, James Cameron as well was uh, was a, a special effects technician on his uh, on early Corman movies. So, I mean, that's that's something for another time, perhaps. But uh, what a fascinating way for uh, a career to start to be surrounded by all of that. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Being surrounded by you know, the quote, the Pope of pop cinema. Indeed. The guy. Yeah. yeah and, and, in, and in many ways, he kind of, uh, he took, you know, that kind of pulpy, you know, uh, B-grade kind of cinema that he uh, was mentored in and was surrounded by, and he somehow distilled it into these, you know, incredible mainstream and you know high high art films i mean i mean you know that it could be debated obviously that you know Silent of the lambs is still just at its heart a horror movie but i i would like to and i think we will be arguing over the course of this discussion that it is actually a lot more than that oh absolutely yeah in this in this most recent viewing it just kind of opened up um opened up my eyes from just you know the lowly like horror thriller sort of thing into you know something that has you know uh enormous uh feminist overtones i would say not even undertones and and a lot about the male gaze exactly and more and more than anything else i mean like you know movie, movies like that about the the just even like the the silent uh sort of patriarchal oppression that women go through that's like you know that men don't even know they're doing. I think, you know, mm. now in this particular, you know, climate is is uh, something, you know, people should actually go back and revisit for, for that benefit. I mean, there's a lot of amazing uh, TV shows on at the moment. I mean, I don't know if you've uh, had a chance to check out yet the, the Handmaid's Tale. Uh, is a, I have not, no. It's a brutal, brutal kind of uh analysis of you know just the the reduction of women to the the role of breeders in a you know world very much one of these sort of uh five minutes from now scenarios where it seems unlikely but also almost not almost not really though and it's kind of you know mm. the back of you know it's this is now um, close to, or what, uh, six, 16? So, no, no, 20, 26 uh, years since... Um, yeah. 
uh, you know, Silence of the Lambs came out, and I think people sort of like, you know, maybe view Philadelphia as quite a quaint movie by today's standards, but I think people forget that it was uh, the one of the first mainstream movies to actually bring uh, the discussion of AIDS into the forefront. Whereas now you have Dallas Buyers Club yeah, and, after, you know, and movies like that where, you know, people are like, oh, sweet. Well, he'll, he, you know, he'll get an Oscar. It's AIDS. Back then it just wasn't even spoken about, yeah. you know? I mean, there was, yeah, it was very much, uh, you know, such a, a fear going around it all. Mm. Um, you know, it just, yeah, it wasn't talked about. And when it was, it was as a, you know, you were a social pariah. Exactly. You know, you know, it says so in the film, like, you know, it's a, it's a type of social death. Mm. That comes before the, the physical. Yeah. And the, yeah, nowadays, um, though it still is uh, uh, an issue, the the hysteria has died down, as mm. uh, as as medicine has has kind of aided many. Exactly, but I mean, you sort of you see that uh, basically uh, Demi had to make one of the single most critically acclaimed films of all time. I mean, it's uh, Silence of the Lambs. I think it's one of only uh, three films in uh, the the history of the Academy. The other being uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and I forget the third one, but uh, two have won, you know, the five major awards of picture, director, actor, actress, and screenplay. And only mm-hmm. and only with that kind of um, cachet could he then go and make this film. Uh, about about HIV and the victimization that uh, people, including his friends, because there was a personal uh, motivation for him to make it that those people were going through. But even then, you'll see that, like you know, he had to construct it within, uh, you know, the 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 safety of a courtroom drama. Yeah, I think that's what he he is really does well in this you know in this one-two punch of of films of of silence and and philadelphia is that he's able to tell a a underlying story um through other methods and other and other genres of film yeah well through some pretty um, classical genre that just tropes, weren't yeah. getting talked about that yeah just won't get talked about then rarely get talked about now you know, in such a capacity and with such, um, you know, mm. mastery and, and such an immersion to the characters, such empathy that we, that we, uh, are, are given. It is, um, quite interesting now, if you look at it, that, um, and I'm, you know, I, I would, uh, easily, um, uh, credit uh, Demi as being, you know, one of the main sort of proponents or one of the guys that maybe kicked this thing off. But I mean, you won't actually find um, more uh, films with strong, interesting female characters than you will in horror films now. That's like where mm. that's more than anywhere yeah, else. The, and the I think stronger you'll find. the better. Exactly. You know, you it's now like. It's not the big butch jock that, like, you know, fucking wins the day anymore. It's the, it's the intelligent, resourceful, you know, doesn't back down for nobody female character that yeah. succeeds in spite of everything. I think that's sort of, you know, probably had its uh, origins in uh, in this particular film. It's kind of... Yeah, which... Foster does amazingly well mm. in, you know, we've seen her, you know, we, we have very much seen her grow up on the, on in the front screen. Of our eyes. And yes, really. I mean, yeah. um, it's been, it's been, and this is just a fantastic one. It's hard for me not to say like, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, everything about like, you know, the, her vocals in this, um, her mannerisms—it's just—it's just a height of craft 
that you just don't see from many people that you've seen grow up in front of our eyes. Yeah, just like to see, yeah, like her start out, you know, when she was like, what, 12 years old in uh, Taxi Driver? Yeah, I think it's something yeah, like that. you know, very young, you know, starting out and even, and even then playing such an incredibly uh, complex uh, character in this, uh, you know, young child prostitute. That you know mm. is you know is there against her will, but also kind of isn't. You know, lament like you know laments her position, but in another way doesn't. Like it's it's an incredibly you know three dimensional portrayal as opposed to just the battered child sex slave. You know, idea she like mm. I mean like she dictates her own terms. You know, and has her own kind of. Um, agency almost yeah agency and independence and and uh you know a three-dimensional character usually means that they have contradictory attributes mm. which is why sort of at the end of uh taxi driver you kind of i mean at least i did you get to the end and um you wonder whether um travis Beagle actually did the right thing I mean, yeah, even at that point, it is, you know, the, the, the art of the film is to, is to question those, those very things. Because mm. he's not, yeah. The, I mean, that's the, the character of Travis Bickle to begin yeah. with. It's like, is he in the right or wrong? Through, it's, yeah, throughout. Mm. But I think, I think just, you know, to get off that yeah. segue, it's just a credit to her that, like, you know, uh, she even makes us raise the question in the first place. Because if it was just some other, like, you know, weepy, weepy child actor, then it would be like, oh, well, she was in distress and now she's not the end. The good guys won. Mm. Yeah. Uh, whereas, and then, and then, yeah, fast forward to silence and there's, she is the good guys. Yeah. Like she, there, there's no, there's no one else. Like it's her. She's, she's on and the And it case. is like those, you know, and it's like those kind of stereotypical you know, uh, it's like the journey song, like, you know, just like a, you know, just a city girl, like, you know, trying to get away in the world and like, you know, doing the best that she can. But like, it, it literally is actually that, but, but it's not the romanticized, yeah. you know, kind like she's, she's from a country town. She's uh, trying to make it in a male industry in a, in a male dominated uh, profession. And so she's got, like, she's got a, like, you know, the, the insecurity of, you know, not being from, you know, town, as she calls it. And then also there's mm. the whole, uh, the whole gender uh, factor as well. Yeah. Yeah. Literally every male character, like, well, male, every male extra is of overtly staring at her mm. and, you know, and any other, you know, actor alongside of her, um, you know, aside from, you know, uh, the more of the older uh, gentlemen in the film yeah. are trying to hook up with her. Yeah. I mean, even, and even, even then they're not saying anything. They're saying with their eyes. Yeah. I mean, like even, uh, uh, you know, Scott Glenn, who, um, you know, does kind of play... Yeah, Crawford. Yeah, does sort of play the benevolent kind of mentor. You can sort of still see a little bit, if not if not like sort of like like grotesque sexual attraction, certainly a kind of uh, male curiosity, I guess, is how I describe it. He's, mm. And it's yeah, and you don't see it initially. In the initial scenes, you don't see it. No, um, you see her being checked out, uh, but the Crawford bit you don't you don't have that subtext until Lecter says something. Um, until until Lecter brings that up, and then you start like it it starts opening up to the to the audience, just like oh okay this is. You know he's probably under something yeah, here because I mean obviously then we get the because uh, now we're the seeing scene it. in the uh, 
uh, funeral home where she goes to um, hmm. uh, do a forensic inspection on this uh, the body of this uh, murdered girl. And you have that uh, scene hmm. where, I, I mean, I don't know how tall Jodie Foster is actually, but in, uh, you know, this scene especially, she's made to seem, you know, minuscule. And we just do this, you know, slow, yeah. chilling pan around, you know, 15 of these, you know, cops just, like, it's not even, it's not engaged. It's just passive, almost contemptuous ogling. Yeah. And that's, and that is, uh, that that's what it is in, in real life. And, and Demi captures that. Mm. And, and. And Foster, you know, demonstrates how like you have to then deal with that exactly in in the workplace. I mean, you know, you, particularly yeah. and the, so like you know her actually standing up to those cops and you know chiving them out of the uh, the room. You know, it's it's hmm. like you know normally you just be like, all right, she's just trying to get get you know in any other movie it would just be she's trying to clear out some some hangers on. Whereas, because because yeah. we've uh, had that shot beforehand, of just the the waves of uh, sexual intimidation rolling over her, it's this amazing bit of bravery and spunk that she shows that she actually stands up and says, you know, mm. gets them to leave, and in a very congenial and kind way as well, you know. Like I she, mean, that's the, she, yeah, she, that's she, the... she, like she's smart in a way because she appeals to them being men you know yeah. she says well, you know and then that's she says you, that's you, you a men lot of have, women have to do that exactly yeah which is you know i think just another just it's another beautiful subtlety to the to the script that you know she doesn't just stand like you know it isn't just like you know fuck you i don't need no man it's like well look if i piss all of these guys off you know, like I got to think about my career. Mm. I got to think about you know X, Y, and Z, and all these other considerations that you know. Again, Josh, we're wading into we're just being two two straight white men chat chat yeah. chatting about things that we just really have no business uh, that we ourselves informed, in, informed opinions upon. But um, it is that kind of consideration. I would have to assume that you you can't just lash out at at every you know sign of you know aggression or intimidation or lech lecherousness that you see because i mean you've got to consider your own safety you've got to consider your career and all you know everything else oh yeah it's yeah when you're in a you know when you're in a room full of ravenous like raving animals you can't like go and attack one of them because they're all Mm. you know basic lunatics and they'll jump to, they'll jump on you that's the world we unfortunately live in yeah. so yeah you can't like you you're being forced to act in you either sit down shut up uh or you've got to you've got to play this chess game which mm. you know once again that that initial uh meeting with 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 Lecter uh is is that it, it's showing her ability to to play that game, yeah. and I think it's it's and, it's and although a credit to um, successfully that you know that uh, he uh, you know that he had the idea to send her and even like Lecter actually sort of says like you know uh, um, oh no no it wasn't Lecter it was um, the uh, psychiatrist um, it was the Chilton yeah. Chilton, Chilton was like, yeah. you know, Crawford's actually very smart to send a girl. I think, I mean, obviously, obviously he thinks Crawford's sending her as the honeypot. I think even Crawford thinks that he's sending her as a honeypot. Mm. And I think Lecter kind of thinks that she's been sent as a honeypot. So when she actually, you know, outsmarts him, it's actually, it's a brilliant power move. Hmm. And though he does like, so he wins in that in that argument, but then, um, but then Miggs defiles mm. her. Um, 
and then and then Lecter sees his opportunity to keep this game yeah. going. This is but even so. Is, I mean, like throughout this, this is a challenge the, for him. Yeah, but even so, throughout the scene, it's a it's a, it's a act of you know push and pull. Like Lecter isn't just winning the entire time. Hmm. Oh, absolutely not. And I think that's one of the the best things about um, about Lecter is that. He kind of sees men as just general imbeciles mm. and not necessarily worth his time. Um, he just, you know, particularly when he's like watching Chilton, like when Chilton's just on his bed, and he's on the bed lying around chit-chatting and shit like that. Um, yeah, Lecter is just this disdain look in his eyes. Um, and, but to... Uh, Clarice and to uh, the senator, he has a a respect to be able to play this sort of game with them. Mm. But um, it's also because they're, in the, they're polite. In regards right? to the senator, yeah, they're polite. They're giving him, yeah, that because he does hold rudeness, and and you know you could very cleanly cut that as men can be rude in this world, and thus will be. Women do not have the opportunity to be rude, thus they will not be, and so they play within Lecter's realm. Yeah, so if you know, and uh, there is a respect for that, but also a indignation towards them as well, because he can play those mind games yeah. with them. It was interesting because I read, I read, I read somewhere um, in an interview with uh, Hopkins, I think it was, where he uh, mentioned that uh, he was cast in this movie based upon his um, performance as Doctor T. In the Elephant Man, in Elephant Man, yeah, believe it or not, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, he said that you know this must. Be, this, I believe Demi was talking must about be that, some yeah. sort of uh, mistake, because you know the Doctor was a good man, and Demi apparently told him that uh, so is Lecter. He's a good man. He's just trapped in an insane man's body, and that's. I think that's mm. why, like you know, it, it, he like because you know, people people root for Lecter. You know, like when he is when he escapes. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, like, and even <clears throat> I mean, the last shot that finishes on him, where he basically he says, you know, I'm going to go and murder my former psychiatrist. Everyone fucking cheers at the end of that. They're like, "Hooray, you did it!" Yes. Oh. Oh, you're going to you're going to eat with your with an old friend. Are you going yeah, to eat have, an old friend? Have an, oh, have, a, have an old friend. Have an old cannibalism. friend. Yeah. Ooh, have an old what? friend for dinner. Yeah. But it's like because because he's so yeah. damningly polite, and because you know the only, you know he doesn't, he never actually does anything to Clarice. So I mean he's an antagonist, but he's not an antagonist no. to our protagonist, which means we can actually root for both of them at the same time. They're both mm. the protagonists of their own separate stories, and we're almost watching them basically. Yeah, we're both watching two stories almost play out you know in in concert with each other and these these two people just happen to cross each other i think four times in the entire movie yeah, i i think yeah as we go through uh you know all of the films that we watch and all that and the, and the i'm i'm always drawn more to the to the films with storylines that do have that that feel like we're just taking you know, a certain snapshot out of these people's lives and they do live on outside of when we watch uh, them on the screen. Yeah. And, and yeah, what you're saying right there is, is, is perfectly that like, this is part of um, Clarice's story. This is like her start, you know, and this is, you know, the, the midpoint of Lecter's. Yeah. Kind of literally, because there's the sequels and prequels yeah. to them. Which which I think, like, to be, I mean, to I don't know, sort of how you felt about the, the, uh, yeah. other, and the, then, the other movies. And then you've got the... um, Ted Levine's uh, Buffalo Bill, who is the antagonist of them. And Sorry, mate, you, you're seriously breaking up. I've missed the last about 10 seconds. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I just wanted to talk about you know, where, you know, uh, Lecter and uh, Clarice are both the protagonists of their own stories yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, running yeah. concurrently together. So Clarice 
uh, his antagonist is is Ted Levine's mm. Buffalo Bill, who is who is very much um, basically uh, epitomizing that that male gaze. You know, our our first shots of him is you know almost through his eyes, almost mm. immediately through his eyes of the of the uh, glow in the dark yeah. uh, when he had abducts the uh, the senator's uh, daughter and um you know and the big confrontation is to do with that um you know he's all his whole thing is that he's been able to watch these girls yeah to be yeah. able to covet them well it's almost it's almost like that you know so it's um, this that kind of uh thing where you know i don't know if like girls ever uh, girls ever like use this phrase to you i think like once or twice i've heard like where they're just like you know I can feel, I can feel the eyes on my back. Like I can't see, I can't see men watching me, but I can feel it. Mm. And it's almost like a literal representation of, of that, uh, you know, fear in that, in that final scene that like, she knows she he's watching her and she can feel it, but she can't see it. It's, it's, it's a, it's sort of a beautiful bit of uh, metaphor made flesh. Yeah, because he is, you know, Buffalo Bill is like, in in the way that a horror film is has the monster, which is a manifestation of a single uh, goal or point or or, or emotion. Mm. Um, so, and it's usually like the you know against lust or something like that. This is you know the manifestation of you know the 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 patriarch, the male gaze, um, and and yeah that the the insidious nature of of men and and then they sprinkle in the the um you know the mental uh health issues but also uh the transsexual uh nature of buffalo bill mm. um which is well i mean yeah i mean neither here nor there well, really. pseudo, well i mean they sort of make the point that like you know he's not a real transsexual he only thinks that he is yeah, so, I mean, so and I mean, that's because you he's, know, I mean, he's coveting, so it's the yeah, and I mean, like, so you know, there, there's certain like questions when people have you know done uh, retrospective analyses of this movie in the past. They've sort of said, you know, the representation of transsexualism in this movie is questionable and dated at best. But oh, no, man, I per I personally argue that they basically, you know, twenty six years ago pointed out that he's only he only thinks he's a transsexual, so ergo it's his this character is actually perverting what uh what mm. it actually means to be transsexual so i think it actually i don't know for me for me it gets a for me it gets a, a entirely a free pass on that account yeah i mean yeah it, and it's that perversion of the perversions um on the perversion like he is just this 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 monster of of perverting yeah. yeah, I mean, like the idea, like that you could the, even the like ills sort of, of of man, yeah, man, that you could sort of ascribe him any sort of real human characteristics beyond maybe like you know some of the some of the seven, seven deadly sins. I mean, like like all the great movies. I mean, yeah, in seven, like he's exactly yeah. John Doe. You know, it was just malice yeah. for the I sake mean, he's, of malice. He's nothing else. If he if he exists yeah. outside of you know that movie, kind of like you know uh, Clarice and uh, Lecter, and just like uh, Buffalo Bill, like Buffalo Bill obviously exists you know outside the world of the the, the movie before it started, but uh, that is it's irrelevant, you know, and it's it's kind of almost um, mm. I don't know if you ever sort of. Um, enjoyed any of the other movies in the in the the canon at all but um uh, no i i really didn't mm. um you know the i kind of i kind of enjoyed um uh, Hannibal, i mean of oh, the one with the, 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 the ridley, sequel with the, the ray finds yeah, in yeah the I ridley scott mind. the ridley scott sequel with uh gary oldman and julianne moore you know when uh lecter's in florence Oh yeah, I I enjoyed that actually mm -hmm. quite a bit, but but like in in a far sort of different way than I did Silence of the Lambs because I think you know Scott kind of just uh, well he did what really Scott does and he basically just took everything to eleven, 
and shot the shit out of it and it looked gorgeous and it was a freak show and the gore you know mm. the violence and all that sort of stuff i mean it wasn't a horror movie anymore it was maybe a thriller movie but you know it's like when someone bites the the head off a chicken at a, at a carnival or something like that you know when when the, there's the man eating pig scene that the 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 violence on display is so grotesque you actually find yourself laughing but mm. there's also the question of hannibal being free and i think that him being free robbed him of his power in yeah. terms of in terms of being i mean a, at least, in yeah, terms of being a manifestation in, ter- of in terms him, of being yeah. a frightening villain you know that uh, part of part mm. of the uh, what makes him so effective in this movie is that for ninety percent of his screen time, he's just a uh, you know he's at rest, but you just know at any second, like if that door opened, he would wreak havoc down upon anyone in his path. So when that scene mm. finally comes, it is terrifying because you know you only gotten to imagine what he could possibly do. And even then they leave it mostly mm. to your imagination. Yeah. Demi does this, this great thing of not showing yeah. everything. Um, you know, you see it in the, in the coroner's um, scene. You don't see the entire body because if you saw the entire body, body, it would normalize it to you. So you see the close-ups of the hands, the close-ups of the mouth, um, those sort of, areas but you never see the whole thing and it's the same yeah and more than anything else he lets um uh, was it town hall yeah well he well he lets he lets uh foster do most of the work in the uh funeral home scene that he Mm. let he lets us experience the horror of uh this cadaver you know this young murdered girl we experience the horror of that through the the horror of the young girl that uh, has to take notes on it. And so, yeah. I mean, like, you know, it's something... And then, yeah, yeah, and then in the same way, he doesn't show it in the in the police um, when he when Lecter finally unleashes himself. Yeah. Because that's far more horrendous, because we'll fill in the blanks. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, yeah, you see, you see, you don't see Charles Napier getting beaten to death with a police baton. Mm. You see... Hannibal doing the beating and you just see this look of almost detached um, pleasure on his face. Like it's the way he's killing this man, the way you or I would uh, kill a mosquito, like just a mild inconvenience. Hmm. And, and that. And even then the delight is for getting free. Like this is his freedom. He's been locked up for eight years. I'm going to get free now. This is just the yeah. last part of it. And it's almost an afterthought, you know, because he goes back to his music mm. for a little bit. Enjoys it and then gets the and then, knife. And then he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Dinner. I was doing that. Oh, look. You know, just the, 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 yeah. the lack of uh, hurry or concern. He just sort of. Looks around mm-hmm. the cell. And he's like, oh, you know, for like a good thirty seconds or something. He's like, oh yeah, that'll do, and just you know, heads on out. And it's this. I mean, like we've we've talked a little bit about, um, you know, the abstract sense, um, the power of gaze in, um, you know, mm. demi films. So in Silence, it's obviously the male gaze. In in Philadelphia, you know, it's the you can see it and you know feel it um you know the the derision and 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 the fear library scene you know that's you know uh just all forced onto uh tom tom hanks character but i mean it's it's because like just you know for Mm. for uh listeners who uh have watched the movie or i don't know or are going to watch the movie after this it is because he uses this uh technique that you know, I don't really think I've seen in any other, uh, I mean, movies, yes, maybe, but never, like, as a consistent tool used by a filmmaker. It's something called the subjective camera, and it's basically, 
you know, he does these enormously close close-ups, you know, mm. and it's the actors staring right down the barrel of the camera. So they're looking directly at you. So when those men are looking at Clarice, you feel that gaze on you as well. When you see, you know, mm. uh, you know, Denzel Washington's character, uh, the first time Hanks rolls into asking for help and he finds out he has AIDS and he just starts, you know, touches the picture, touches the cigar. You see Denzel's gaze just darting to each of these things in turn. And then, you know, mm. and Hanks in the library just feeling the gaze of all these people once they know who he is and what he has. It is a completely, uh, you know, sort of immersive and visceral experience so that when, you know, Lecter is staring down Clarice and, uh, you know, intimidating her and mocking her accent and basically just being himself, like we, we feel, we feel everything she feels, just like when she tells Lecter the, the story of the lambs, you almost understand why he lets her go. Because because we feel that mm. empathy for her as well. Oh, it's 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 just yeah, it's and, it's something you know, that's that, a you very. Know, I mean, you and I could talk about it until the cows come home, but it really is something that like just we can't really understand the power until you actually sit down and experience it. Hmm. I I I believe. Yeah, that so that moment is 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 hugely emotional, and then and then also in in Philadelphia as well. Um, like I really I quite enjoy the use of of this camera technique in the uh in the oh, in the opera um, scene by far and away. That's that's the uh, scene of the movie for it. Like you know, as we were saying, this is like you know a movie about something you know very very serious and about an issue that no one was talking about at the time. So they kind of you know. Demi cloaks it in a courtroom procedural to kind of, you know, make us, mm. you know, make the audience let their guard down. But then, you know, he has this transcendent, uh, you know, opera scene where like, he just slides it under the door, like he's lulled everyone into a false sense of security, and then he just slays that on you. And it's brutally affecting. Mm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the 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 downward angle on 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 Hanks, and then and then just we're just continuously watching Denzel's eyes. Basically, that's where the focus is, and just the the emotions that are coming through. Yeah, uh, from both of them. Yeah. Well, it's just you and, know, and, and and you know, and how the camera allows that and unlocks it, and for it us. does sort of you know go a bit into that unreality we have this you know brutally lustrous you know red um lighting so mm. suddenly come in it's 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 this crazy crazy moment where you actually just see denzel getting one over before your eyes like he's literally mm. getting converted and you see why he's getting converted because he's looking directly at you so you can actually make that human connection obviously eyes the windows to the soul and all that palaver so you actually see the emotion change you know it's and it's that it's that i mean like mm. it's that age-old thing now that like you know everyone always like you know gays are people too and all that sort of bullshit but i mean at the time you know 1993 when this film came out this was actually still like a serious discussion that needed to be had that you know this this guy loves opera he loved life and he wasn't ready to die but he knew that he was going to and the tragedy of that yeah you know was uh, something visceral and i think it's because of the camera work yeah you just you just want to be treated as fucking yeah, human exactly and and though the Though you know, uh, yeah, the, the AIDS is the the AIDS scare is 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 low, um, is lower than it was back then. Uh, 
and even though yeah you won't get those those looks out on the on the street as as much there's still so much more um that you know in uh 22 years mm. uh no 23 yeah 22 23 years like there's still a lot that needs to be done and it's it's almost embarrassing that that films like these were made back then on on these sort of subjects and as much good as been done there's still not enough i mean there's never going to be enough that's the, that's that's the thing there's always going to be something where where is that as uh, the spokesperson for, spokespeople for uh straight white men in this uh podcast um yeah we we fucked up and we continue to fuck up yep but Demi doesn't. Demi doesn't because he's able to 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 capture these these nuanced um, emotions and to be able to put them across to the yeah. audience. And that's something that's something real fucking special. It's, I mean, you know, I show show me another director that's you know doing doing the things that he was doing, you know, all those years ago. And to go from such an interesting pathway as well, and to be able to 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 be able to internalize all those teachings mm. that he's that he's had from Corman, and then and then go up and then you know because he was known for comedies before before these films exactly yeah you know that's where he made his made it made it all happen in the in the eighties and then he got this chance to do these films yeah just it, it, it beggars belief. It's 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 amazing that he's he was able like how much of a an eye he has and that he was able to put across to us because that's the trick you can have an eye for something as a director but if you can't put that across to the audience then it it's not worth much yeah then it's worth a little and it's almost it's almost I counted almost as a bit of a a shame really that um you know he sort of he, he took his break and he went away for a little bit and then when he sort of he came back you know the following decade and you know sort of made a foray back into mainstream film again you know Manchurian Candidate, Rachel Getting Married, um, Ricky and the Flash and all those sorts of movies he he he, he, he abandoned that um, that filming style and especially in Rachel Getting Married mm. it was pretty much um docudrama you know because he didn't he didn't um block shots i recall i I recall uh, some um interview with him where he basically said he wanted to make the most beautiful home movie ever made so Mm. you know utterly naturalistic you know the the camera's almost like a it's it's the exact opposite of what it was in those earlier movies. It's now a, a passive sort of interlocutor as opposed to, you know, in, yeah. in, in science of Philadelphia where it was intrinsic and essential to the action. Yeah, it's, is that because he just he just I mean they're they're great films like is that he can't surpass like he did not believe he could surpass that or he just wanted to he because he also did the you know the talking yeah, heads I don't know uh, maybe maybe he just maybe, maybe he just got tired of well. it like maybe he just liked that more you know yeah just because you're good at something doesn't mean you enjoy it yeah <laughs> so so I mean like you yeah. know maybe he got bored. He's like, well, I've done that, you know. Let's let's find another way to to shoot a movie. I mean, it still worked. Yeah, Rachel getting married. Like, yeah. Rachel getting married got rave reviews. Hmm. But I think it, the reason why I got rave reviews is because um, it it gave you know the director was giving the the floor to the actors. Yeah. And he was able to to you know not step on their toes and for them to be able to give um, to give that. The direction that they needed in order to do it as minimally yeah. as possible, or at least with the the his blocking and the and then the and the camera and all of that, he just didn't require as much as what he had 
in in Lambs in Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean it's it's a diff- it's a different kind. So, I mean, you should be able to do these things. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like you know, like just in just, just in the same way that yeah. he you know he got out of the actor's way in Rachel getting married, like he certainly didn't get in the actor's way in uh, you know Silence of the Lambs or whatever. You know, I mean, like he's oh, still. Oh no, it, God, it, no, yeah, no, no, but it was it was almost like a far more collaborative uh, sort of you know process. I mean, if you actually want to, just now that I think of it, if you want to sort of think about you know someone who's really kind of um, carrying the torch in terms of that specific uh, shooting style, I'd probably go and have a look at Wes Anderson. Yeah. You know, just in terms of the very deliberate framings, you know, always, he always puts Mm. his actors in the direct center of a shot. He loves those kind of like, you know, dramatic, you know, smash takes that, you know, that I mean, and he'll and obviously Anderson uses them for more comedic effect. You know, he'll hurl a camera down a massive corridor to get like a hilarious reaction from someone. Whereas you know, uh, Demi would use it to uh, showcase some critical new bit of information. But the the principle's still there, and 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 Anderson's yeah. still a, a, a director that you know absolutely favors actors. You know, and his shooting style is obviously very rigid, is very considered and thought out, but it's still at the service of the performers. Yeah, damn, yeah. Damn, damn good point. And, and I mean, you would, you know, if you follow that logic, would you then, would you then think that this is, you know, Debbie was this unsung auteur? Because I think he, he well, I mean, I think he, I think he was a, I think he was a sung auteur. I mm. think, I think people, people knew how good he was. And but, but the, it's that whole kind of, you know, it's it's far easier to. But in the same way, yeah, in the same way that, like, uh, I, I wouldn't say that Spielberg is an auteur. No, we'll see the, we'll see the, he's like, a good the thing director, that, and I think Demi's a good director. Yeah, we'll see, like. <laughs> I mean, the, I guess the point is about being a like you know, a, like you know, is people just assume you'll be excellent. Mm. So I mean, you know, I mean, you could say that Uwe Boll is a auteur director. Well, I mean, you certainly know what you're because he's very particular. Yes, I mean, like you yeah. know, he's he's very very particular about his movies being terrible. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean. Yes, I mean, like that—that is—that is a variable definition of auteur. I don't know if uh, other auteurs on the list would appreciate having to share it with um, with Bowl, but uh, I guess Bowl would be—I guess Bowl would be okay with it. And if anyone else wasn't, he'd probably just challenge them to a boxing match. Yeah, I used it, uh, and then said something. Well, very I mean, you bad. saw that, didn't you? That uh, he basically. Uh, gave an open uh, invitation to uh, film critics that have bashed his movies to actually uh, fight him. Oh, shit. That's our next our next go-around then. <laughs> what, Uber Bowl? No, I, I wouldn't want to do that to ourselves or the listeners. Oh, stage a boxing match. I mean, I don't want to get beaten up by a German either. No, that's too many stereotypes all in a row. Yeah, not ready for that. Just not ready for that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you've you've made that realization. <laughs> Took me a lot of soul searching. A lot of soul searching. Is that is <laughs> is that the note we're going to end on? Fuck! I hope not. No, I... <laughs> I'm really like this was an unfortunate turn for for 
for Demi. He, I mean, he he died of esophageal cancer, and you know it. He will be missed, um, but I am glad that I mean, from this as soon as you know, unfortunately, as soon as it happened, um, you came, you you messaged me and you said, you know, we've we've got to do something about it. We've got to do a retrospective on him. Um, and Christ, I'm glad we have. I am really glad that you know, at at very least, watching Silence in Philadelphia, like it just opened it up again, like mm. both these films, and just be able to just really appreciate, you know, the work that that Demi has done um, in his throughout his career, and. Oh, I I can't wait until another another one of him comes around. Um, you know, as you said, you know, Wes Anderson does have the uh, a very similar um, camera style, but also the ability to to for us to empathize with characters yeah. um, and to tell such rich stories in in ways that um, you know aren't they're not cliche and they're not, you know, by the book, they're, they're genre twisting. Yeah. So if we're going to end on anything, I'd prefer to end on that bout. Well, you'll have no arguments from me, mate. That, uh, that sounds like a pretty, pretty decent, uh, epitaph. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am glad that we did, you know, there's there's a lot of good films that are that are out there. Um, you know, I've I've been hooting and hollering about about Get Out for quite some time, um, and um, I think that may have been on the cards um, next, if not for um, Demi's passing. Um, but I'm I'm glad we were able to take the time uh, to really appreciate. Um, a really great director. Well, the way I sort of see it, it's really the least we could do. Absolutely. Yeah, and with that, dear uh, dear listeners, um, yeah, that's uh, that'll be it for us. Um, you can listen to uh, other episodes that we have done. Uh, on our on our website uh, from the silver screen dot com. Um, yeah. Next, uh, we'll have uh, we'll have a minisode um, where I'll discuss. Um, I'll I'll discuss the uh, the next uh, the next film that we'll be that we'll be uh, talking about. So uh, until then, 